When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everyone, and welcome into this week's episode of the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast. I'm Scott Agnes. This week on the Pacers podcast, I'm joined by former Pacers center Scott Pollard. Scott played in the NBA for 11 years, one year past his goal. From 2003 to 2006, he played right here in Indy for the Pacers, 155 games in total, including 52 starts. He was well known for his hard work, his height being 6'11", and his hairstyles, whether it be frosted tips, a ponytail, or shaggy hair, you never knew what you were going to get from him. And he was known for how honest he was whenever he spoke. He's a no-nonsense guy. Pollard will share what went into his decision to be on the show, why he passed the first time, how real the experience truly was, and how his life has changed since living a disconnected life for seven weeks. Pleased to be joined here today by Scott Pollard, the former Pacer. He played for five teams from 1997. You got the ring in the final year, win Boston 2008. How special for you was that to be able to go out with the ring, the thing everybody covets? <laughs> well, it, it felt great. Uh, my goal in the NBA uh, was 10 years. And after uh, I got to the Western Conference Finals with the Sacramento Kings, I got to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Pacers, I got to the Eastern Conference Finals with the Cavaliers, and the Finals with the Cavaliers in 2007, uh, I thought, you know what, that's a good run, uh, I'm done. I, the 10 years was my goal, I guess I'm not going to knock that door down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Boston called, and, and uh, I, I said no, and then they said, we'll pay you this much, and my financial advisor said, that's a good plan. <laughs> so uh, we did that, and uh, yeah. you know, I ended up getting hurt halfway through the year. I played hurt most of that year, and then finally, uh, I, I couldn't play anymore. They, literally, the doctor was like, you're getting surgery. So um, that cut my season short, but Paul Pierce won me a ring, and uh, I gladly wear it uh, because of all of the teams, uh, dating back to high school. Uh, that I was on that should have won one. Yeah, My junior year in San Diego, we were the best team in the state, and we got knocked out. My senior year in Washington State, we were the best team in the league, in the, in the state, and we got knocked out. We were in ranked nationally. Uh, my All four years of college, uh, we had a chance. I got to the Sweet 16 every year uh, of my uh, uh, college years, and the final eight once, I think. Uh, and my senior year, we were ranked number one from start to finish, and we should have won it, and we didn't. Uh, my rookie year in the NBA was the only year in my entire career that I didn't play in the postseason in the Detroit Pistons. I got drafted by them, and I didn't make it to the postseason. Uh, we. I, it was all because I didn't play enough. No, I'm kidding. Of course it was, right? <laughs> no, it, it, was, it, it was a learning experience my rookie year. But anyway, I, I'm so fortunate to have always played on great teams, and I've learned how to get along with people and what, what it takes to win and what it takes to be successful and what's important in life uh, because of that. And, and it really it had very little to do with um, – I don't know. I guess it was good fortune. I, I don't want to say it was me, but it was good fortune that I was in the situations I was in and asked to be part of when I was a free agent or when I was traded to certain teams. They wanted my winning qualities. They wanted the fact that I don't care if I got numbers and a lot of people made fun of my numbers and, and this and that, but I always made, helped my team get better. I, I, I didn't hurt my team ever. And 
people forget that role players in the NBA, that's what you need. You need guys like that, and that's why people always wanted me on their team. And even when after we won the ring in Boston, people kept calling. I said, no, I'm going out a winner. I got two healthy ankles yeah. now. Uh, they're not awesome, but I could have kept playing. And I just said, you know what? No, 10 was my goal. 10 years was my goal. I made it 11, and I got a ring. And now I wear that ring for all those teams that could have, would have, should have. That's awesome. You got the height. You got the build. At what point did you feel like, all right, I can make it to this next level. Beyond college, I, I can be a pro. Uh, well, the, the, just like in high school when I was being recruited, there were other players I was with that were ge- getting recruited before me uh, or guys I was playing against that were being recruited and they happened to see me. Uh, and, and in college, it was the same way. I played with Paul Pierce. I played with Jock Vaughn. I played with yeah. Ray LaFrance. I played with Greg Ostertag. These are all guys that got drafted in the NBA. And <clears throat> Ryan Robertson played in the NBA. Billy Thomas played in the NBA. Uh, but, you know, it was the same situation, I think, that, that scouts were coming to watch them. And all of a sudden, they're going, wow, this guy's not bad. And so I, until my senior year, I didn't believe that there were any of them were watching me. Uh, but then after the fact, of course, after I'm done playing and I've got an agent, he said, oh, yeah, it was towards the end of your junior year and all of your senior year. They weren't there to watch Paul. They weren't there to watch Rafe. They weren't there to watch Jock. They were there to watch you. There were teams watching them. But the guys that were coming to watch you were coming to watch you. And, and that's when it became a reality, really, and, and, until my senior year. I was planning on being a school teacher. School teacher. That was my is degree. That, is that in the family? Uh, no. I just, uh, it, it's something that I've always uh, enjoyed. I, that was my degree. I graduated in 97, uh, right before I got drafted. And uh, it was, uh, I was just short of my master's. All I had to do at the time, and I don't know what the certification is now, uh, but uh, at the time, I just needed to do six months of student teaching. I'd have my master's in, in education, and I would have been a teacher. And I love history. Uh, I read a lot of boring books that nobody really likes, <laughs> but I enjoy them. And uh, that's that's what I was going to do is teach high school history and social studies and government, you know, fight the man kind of thing. The real reason you're here is talk about <laughs> this new adventure of yours it's on Survivor, a CBS show that has just gotten started. We're a weekend now that we are recording it. And I kind of enjoy that, as I told you before this, that we're a weekend because I, I hadn't really had an interest in watching Survivor. But because you're on it, I'm absolutely watching it. And it's interesting. The little I know for a fact, no chance I'm making it. I'm the guy you're voting <laughs> off. There's no doubt about that. How did this opportunity present itself? You've dabbled a little bit or looking to do some TV work, correct? Yeah. And, and was it through that, perhaps, that you got this opportunity? Well, uh, uh Yes, absolutely. Actually, I was I was working on a TV show idea that I have that I still have, uh, and I was out in LA with uh, meeting with a, an agent and some uh, some uh, studios about it and trying to push it a little bit. And uh, after that long day of meetings, uh, it that didn't go so well. Um, as it turns out, you know, we didn't know at the time, but as it turns out, I was diffusing uh, after at, at, a, at a local restaurant bar, and, and I was approached. Somebody came up to me and said, I'm a casting su- uh, supervisor or casting agent or whatever it is for Survivor. Uh, do you have any interest? And I said, no. Uh, but the only reason I said no was because at the time, my personal life just wasn't in a, in a good place for me to just go, yeah, I'm leaving for seven weeks. Um, so it it... it it was a uh, it was a no because of personal reasons, but uh, uh, I regretted the decision ever since. And uh, I have some friends that know some people that know some people, and they were pushing pushing my name back at the show uh, behind my back. I didn't know they were, and then eventually I was uh, t- approached on my website uh, about the December. Uh, it was November December of 2014, and I said yes before I even knew what they were asking. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and. Uh, I, I was so happy. I sent in a video and, and all that stuff, and I applied, and, and they accepted me. I went to final casting, and, and I'm 
I, I got in. So it was a it was a long process, but uh, it, it wasn't as though you know the. Some people, I, I think, I heard in the past have been absolutely just recruited for who they were, but, uh, uh, you know, the celebrity-wise or athlete-wise, mm-hmm. and, and I would say that's partially true in my case, but I absolutely wanted to be on, and, and I wouldn't call myself a super fan of the show, but I say that because I've been around super fans now, and I know that I'm not a super <laughs> fan, because there's people that know every character of every season, they can name them off, they can name out which order they got voted out. That's nuts. I don't know that, but I do lo- know that I, I enjoyed the show enough to go on it and i was uh prepared uh as prepared as i could be how does one prepare for something like this well the, the, physically a little bit the, no no there was not enough time uh if okay. if i wanted to try to prepare physically but but really it just had to do with my life experience i think was the best prepare uh, preparation tool because uh when i was dropped onto a team in the nba and told get along with these guys that you would never probably walk or talk with in your in your regular life. I mean, yeah, we, you make bonds and you create bonds when you're teammates. Uh, but if you hadn't been dropped into that locker room, maybe you'd never meet these people. So that was good preparation for Survivor because that's exactly what happens. You get dropped into a tribe of people and go, all right, get along with these people. And they come from all different backgrounds. Yeah. And have all kinds of skills, and some don't have any at all, I guess, in, in your show instance. <laughs> Blondie, as they all called her. <laughs> well, um, yeah, it, it, that we'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there, there's there's people from all walks of life, so that was preparation. But the, the physical preparation would have been, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the social preparation would have been that. The, sure. the being dropped into different locker rooms and traded around and, and being a free agent uh, helps with the social part. But the, the physical part? Uh, you know, being a professional athlete, as any professional athlete will tell you, it's hard. You you do things to your body that most people don't do. A friend of mine was talking to me the other day, and he said, well, how, do you work out anymore? I said, not really. But you have to understand that for me, not really working out is only five days a week for an hour. Yeah. And that's nothing. <laughs> that's that's just me taking it that's easy. That's just the standard for you. Because you, I'm old yeah. and I can't run anymore. That's That's what I do to just so that I don't die at an early age that's that's so i'm staying in relatively decent shape but he's freaking out going wow hour and a half that that would kill me that you know that's too much and so that's the difference between being a professional athlete as as i was uh or the way i was uh to what i do now but yeah that that's that's the only physical preparation there could be uh is just that that i did so many horrible things to my body uh, to be a professional athlete, to get there and to stay there uh, as long as I wanted. Uh, and then, you know, you get onto an island and it's like, well, you know, I haven't eaten in a while. All right. That's kind of kind of sucks, but I'm not sitting around going, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I'm going to die. Sure. Yeah, it's just you, you figure it out, you tough it out. And, and uh, so that was the only preparation. When I watched that first episode... I'm wondering, I come from the sports angle. When you guys are pushing something, I'm like, did he have time to stretch? Did he warm up? <laughs> did he just go right into it? Oh, the trainer, Josh Corbeil's not not liking what he's seeing with this. That's where I come when I, when I see you guys pick up a physical activity. Well, Any of that? Probably well, no time. Yeah, and, and, and you're correct. And watching uh, the other seasons, I'm sitting there going, do they have time to warm up at all and yeah. this and that? It, it's quick. It's quick. Like, you know, you get out there and... And, and Jeff's 
saying, okay, get on, get on your pad and, and you're ready. You, you know, everybody's ready to go. And you're just kind of standing there. He, it goes from a, from a standstill. It's not like you go go do, like you said, a, a layup line right. and get warmed up. You're like, uh, there's hey guys, one, yeah. let's count stretches. Here we go. Yeah. You're standing on a little mat and then, he, and then he yells go and you just got to go. And then afterwards there's no cool down motion or stretch or any of that. So you're on your own and, and the, you, there's, it's it's definitely a, a brutal assault on all of your your mind and your body. They say 39 days, 18 different people. You're in Southeast Asia, three different tribes. Do they select your tribes for you? Do you have any input in that? Do you take a, a test of some kind to be placed <laughs> in a, a different category? Yeah, well, that's part of what ca- happens in casting, and, and I'm pretty sure they had an idea of what they were going to do with the show, uh, you know, the theme. And, and so they, they, they pick out who they're thinking for the brawn and who they're thinking for the brain and who they're thinking for the beauty. And, and really, I think what happened with our cast was that they, they were like, well, Scott is clearly the most intelligent person we've ever met in our entire lives. He's also one of the most attractive men on the planet. But we only have one spot left, and it's on Braun. So, so they put me on Braun. I, it was a tough call, and and but honestly, that's a joke. But uh, Jeff did tell us it was funny because you know he's he's addressing the whole cast, and he says, "Look, I know a lot of you in your mind are going, I'm a triple threat person. You know, I can do. I'm all three. So we all probably thought I that mean, to be thing. on this show to do this, you kind of have to have some kind of mega ego. Yeah." To take part in the type of things that you guys are asked to do. Absolutely. And an adventurous spirit because it's not for the faint of heart. It's on CBS. There's some kind of crew there. We don't know the size or anything. From that standpoint, what's it like having a camera stuffed in your face the entire time? Is it overwhelming? Do you get used to it? And throughout these weeks, through this whole process, you buddy up with any of the CBS crew? Do you have any kind of relationship with them post uh, the show? The cameras being in your face, you get used to that pretty quick. Uh, some people more than others, uh, because some of them it's their first time being on camera, and, and that's something that I've been filmed on and off for most of my adult life, if not all of it. Uh, and and it, while it's different, this is a different scenario. It's still just a camera. It's another one that's filming and, and recording what you have to say. And so uh, some people were more natural at it, but no matter what, very quickly you get into. I'm hungry and I just want to live and I want to play this game. So the cameras become just another background. Sure. It's another tree that's in your way. It's another bush. Uh, you get used to it really quickly, but they are there and they're, they're all over. Uh, and as far as relationships with the crew, you can't talk to them. Can't the, you, you can't talk well, to them whatsoever? It's, it's like the cameras, you know. You don't want to. You don't acknowledge that they are there. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it turns out, I found out way after the fact. Uh, I was contacted by a guy that went to uh, high school in Washington State, where I went for my senior year, and he knew who I was going in, and he was real excited. And we talked, and and he's uh, we've kept in touch now, and yeah, uh, yeah, yeah it's, it's really cool that. Uh, um, that that happened. And there was another guy that was from Sacramento that watched me when sure. he was growing up uh, as a Sacramento King. Um, so that was another one that was a connection. And one of the girls uh, went to Kansas. Uh, and and uh, so that was that was funny. You know, she's like Rock Chalk Jayhawk, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so there was there were connections. and But uh, yeah, it's just during it, you don't acknowledge that anybody So they're simply exists. invisible. That's how you have to approach it. They're another tree, another bush wow. uh, that's in the background that you don't uh, acknowledge that they're, they they exist uh, because this is about the the castaways. It, the show, you know, to keep the show uh, the way it it is and has been is is it's about the the castaways. The focus is on the, on the people playing the game. 
it's probably illegal, but I would have been immediately finding a buddy. Hey, uh, this is the tree. You can put a bottle of water there every night or what have you. Give me a couple bananas, whatever, eat wherever it is. That that would have been my first thought getting, and, and getting to the island. Positive that if a cast member did, or a crew member, not a cast member, a crew yeah. member did that, they right. would be asked to leave and they would sure. they would be fired from CBS at that point. Do you have any idea what their living conditions were like? No idea. Being on the crew, okay. No, idea. I'd be curious from from CBS standpoint. I'm I'm, I'm guessing it's pretty nice. I'm positive that it was nicer than mine. (laughs) (laughs) Going into this whole thing, Scott, what was your biggest concern? Water. Okay. It, the being being hungry for a while, I can handle. I I was overweight. Uh, I am right now. Uh, you know, I could I could have lost some weight. It's a relative term too. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, you know, everybody has fat. Yeah. Even thin people have fat, and so I wasn't worried about that. Missing a few meals, I, I knew I could handle that. I'm I'm not one of those people that sits around going, "Oh my gosh, I'm starving. I can't move." Uh, I've again, it goes back to the the athlete thing. You you just you kind of put things out of your mind when you're an athlete. So, uh, but but water, you can't live. And, and I knew I know the climate. I've been there a lot, not to Cambodia, but I've been to Thailand a lot. Just I've, for vacation. I've been going since 1995. I I have family and friends there. Uh-huh. My children are part Thai. Uh, my wife is half Thai, mm-hmm. so we have family there and, and friends, and, and I've been going for over 20 years. It's one of my favorite places in the whole world. I'd uh, maybe want to to live there eventually. Yeah. It, it's a wonderful place. But so did you feel like that was an adva- a little bit of an advantage going knowing, in? Knowing the climate, yeah. You know, Other people were going, oh my gosh, it's so hot and humid here. I can't handle it. And and me, I'm going, yeah, I love this. But that's just, you know, I've always loved the heat. But uh, So it's it's a place in the world that, that you... You've got to be used to the heat. You've got to be used to that temperature, and and some people weren't. But it, you're you're going to sweat a lot, and water is very important. We all need water every day, uh, pretty much, or you're going to struggle. You're going to have issues, especially at my size. As much water as I'm going to lose in that t- climate. So that was my big concern going in, and it was uh, uh, tough. It, it was it was very tough getting enough water in my body. Then on the other side, on the talking about the first episode, one of the big things highlighted was Darnell going into the water to uh, letting things out. Do you just kind of get used to that? What, what do you mean? I don't know what you mean. Letting it out. Uh, everybody right there, and I assume you're just going out to the water. Oh, and... going to the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. Well, we <laughs> there there were certain people that were okay with what we called an aqua dump, and there were certain people that decided that they weren't going to do that in the ocean. Uh, it's the cleanest and most sanitary way to do it is is in the ocean because if you're in the in the jungles you've got to cover it up you've got to find something to wipe with uh without getting too graphic it's sure. there's basic necessities there uh when you're on land if you're in the ocean you know you you just kind of you're okay. The water takes care of it. Salt water takes care of it, and and the fish take care of the rest. So it's a it's a much more sanitary way as far as uh, environmental impact and all that, as opposed to digging it uh, digging a hole and on the ground and and having bugs bite at you and all that kind of stuff. So uh, we had agreed on where we were going to do it, and and that particular time he was a little closer. He was he he hadn't gone uh, past okay. the poop rocks as we <laughs> called them. Uh, he was a little closer, but really it just happened that he was the first one. To to need to go, and so we made a point of it. You know, right. it was just it was giggling more, on the first time yeah, and after just that, teasing him, and and it was fun. I mean, I I don't think he was incredibly embarrassed about it, but you know, because everybody does it. <laughs> but it was just he just happened to be the first one. I think is why he he got that uh, that ca- camera time. When you first meet your team, is it kind of like middle school where it's you're immediately judging? Oh, there's the pretty girl. 
I like her. He, I don't know about, you know, you're just immediately judging them all and, and trying to decide who you want to maybe buddy up with or, hey, I can rely on this guy. Before you can get to know them, absolutely. It's all on appearance and mannerisms. You, you're watching people uh, and you don't have the ability to converse with them and get to know anybody before you're, bam, you're, there you go, you're on an island together at the, the boat, at the first scene when we're on the boat and Jeff, Jeff says, go get your supplies. That's the first time we're talking to each other. We don't, he literally, he's, he's saying, you don't know each other's names. You don't know where they're from. And that's mm-hmm. absolutely true. We didn't know each other's names. We hadn't spoken to each other. So that's that's literally, we're, we're going, you do this and you do that and I got this and that. And you're just yelling at these people that you don't know their names even. So the first time we actually got to know each other was when we finally got to our island and we got in a circle, middle school style. Okay, what's your name? Where are you from? <laughs> what, what do you do? do? <laughs> and so it, it was very much uh, uh, like that. Were you prepared that, hey, you're going to have a couple minutes to grab anything? Because I'm wondering during that boat ride, are you scheming? Are you like, all right, I got the chicken <laughs> over here. I got, I don't know, a pineapple over here. We need to, we need to attack it this way. I got the front of the boat. You got the back. We, anything like that. We were on the, the second level of the boat, and all the stuff was up top. We didn't know. Oh, okay. We couldn't see what was up there. We're on the main level, so yeah, we're, as it turned out, we were all looking around going, yep, I'm going to get this, I'm going to get that. And then Jeff goes, everything you can get is upstairs, nothing on this one. So that that was uh, another thing is, is it was a total surprise, and, and there was no pre-planning about trying to get supplies because we didn't know what was up there until we got up there. Once you got on the island, how, how long did it take for you to get comfortable, if you ever did, <laughs> with, with your group? It took the whole time. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's, the, there's no preparation for that. because Just constantly you, learning well, on the fly. When you're, when you're making friends, in normal relationships, or uh, if you're dating, you're, you're thinking in your mind, this is going to be a, a long-term relationship. So you're, you're thinking, okay, is this someone I'm going to be around? And okay, yeah, I kind of like that. Well... These people aren't going to be in your life long term for the most part, other than the fact that you're part of that wonderful, ugly, strange, uh, messed up survivor family, which is going to bond us for the rest of our lives uh, because of, of the impact it has on every one of us. Even Darnell, the first one voted out. It, we're, part, we're all part of this weird family. But are we going to be living near each other and visiting each other for the rest of our lives? Some do and some don't. But uh, for me, relationship-wise, I'm not sitting around going, sharing my most intimate details with all of these people, because some of them I'm just not going to talk to. They're, they're not yeah. going to be in my life. I'm they're not just gonna, in my way to the ultimate prize. Exactly. I'm here to play a game. I'm not trying to divulge personal information. There's enough personal information about me on the internet because of my former profession. They can go home and Google me. I don't care to, to let out a, a lot of personal information that they're going to go home after the show's over and if they're interested and find out a bunch of stuff about me anyway. So uh, I was more focused on playing the game. And one thing I love about you, whether it's here, whether it's on TV, your post-game interviews and with CBS and The Survivor, is you just shoot it straight. And, you know, that first episode, you're talking to the blonde, and you're like, hey, I'm not trying to scheme anything here. Let me just tell you how it is. And that's just type of the guy that you seem to be. Well, and, and some players in the past, that, that is the way I am. I, 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 I had an agenda, for sure, to, and a scheme to play the game, uh, but... Uh, some people try to hide who they are or try to come in with this plan and they didn't uh, or don't adapt very well. And I'm talking about seasons past that I watched. 
where they think, okay, yeah, I'm going to do this. And they do this right up to the point they get voted out. You have to adjust. You have to change uh, your your plan, and, and you have to have a short-term game and a long-term game. And uh, if you don't worry about your short-term game, your long-term game never comes into play. And if you're only focused on the long-term game, your short-term game is over. So yeah. it's uh, there, there, you have to be able to adapt. And, and being direct with people at some point, yeah, uh, it, it can help you. And sometimes it can hurt you by being d- direct. You've seen guys that, or, or girls that are too bossy and trying to tell everybody what to do and trying to form a clique and all that, and then it's too obvious. Bam, you become a threat. You get the target and you get voted out. So did you binge watch a season or two Absolutely. heading into this then? Absolutely. I, like I said, I had watched the, the show before, but I wouldn't have ever considered myself a super fan. So I picked out a few seasons, and, and I binge watched them. My kids were binge watching them with me. Were you me. taking notes or uh, <laughs> anything well, to that level? You, 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 absolutely, I was, but you can't take anything with you out there. So, mm-hmm. you know, there were there were notes made, and... And uh, uh, I'd get in discussions with my kids about it, my wife. And, and, and after a while, it was like, uh, Dad's kind of getting old. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to watch anymore. <laughs> We've so, had enough. And, and luckily, it was, it, was, uh, it was such a short period from the time I knew I was going to be on uh, to when I left that it was, it was brief. It was just a few weeks, and then I was gone. And, and uh, then now they're just excited uh, to watch it. And uh, so that's the, that's the best part is everybody's back on the uh, reality mode i'm curious did any of them have any hesitations about you taking part in this whole thing and being gone for so long uh well it was the the biggest issue was being gone for seven weeks there's no contact they literally take your phone away and give you a boarding pass and that's when you know where you're going uh and and then you know that that's you've said your final goodbyes to your family and uh my mom has had health issues of recent years my sister has had uh, health issues and and you know you uh, anybody has concerns about how your family's going to be seven weeks with no contact with my wife and children so uh there was a little bit of that concern that you know there was a tearful goodbye at the airport between my children and my wife and i uh but uh, they were all happy and and hoping uh, i'd go and and win the money and come back and buy them some toys and uh, (laughs) you know we we don't know yet if that happened we'll find out at the finale one thing i was also interested at i you're you're obviously basically stripped down to your underwear the entire time i didn't realize you have a whole back tattoo i see the ones you know on your biceps and stuff how long have you kind of had those and what's the message behind all that the meaning behind all of those well uh my mom is mormon my whole family is mormon so uh when i was playing in the nba i tried to keep all my tattoos under my jersey for my mom's sake uh yeah i didn't want her to be having to answer questions to her family uh, about why your son has tattoos and all that, because they don't believe in that. Uh, so when I retired, I started getting more ink on my arms and more on my back and and that kind of thing. But uh, I wasn't planning on being on national TV in my undies, so <laughs> I figured I was pretty safe uh, yeah. until this came up. And uh, so it, the, the some of them have more meaning than others. Some of them are just I uh, my my friend and tattoo artist is uh, he's really good, and he'll come up with an idea and I'll go, yep, do that. And, and so he's still finishing up my back. It's further along than it was when it was on TV on the show because I've been back for almost a year. Uh, so I've had a chance to get some more work done, but uh, it's not quite done. It takes a long time. We're about 40 hours in on my back, and we got probably 10 or 15 more to, to finish it up. So we're getting close. But um, yeah, I just, uh, the, the inspiration is. Sometimes it's my kids. I've got my kids uh, or symbols of my kids uh, on me and, and their names. Or sometimes it's just uh, I like the artwork. And so this whole thing happened about a year ago. I was thinking it was maybe six months ago. It was about almost 
yeah, 12 months? Typically, uh, as I did the research, uh, typically they, they film in, in a spring uh, and show it in the fall, or they film in the fall and show it in the spring. But we filmed ours last spring. We left in March and got back in May. And uh, they switched our season. The, the Cambodia that filmed or that aired last fall actually filmed after us. We, we left, and I, I assume it was two or three weeks later, the, the cast that was on last fall got to Cambodia where we were and finished. Uh, and they filmed their season, and then they showed them last fall and, and pushed us to this spring. Why? You're going to have to ask Jeff Probst. I don't know the answer to that one, but uh, that's it, it was a, a long time, and I don't know that that's ever happened in the past, but I wasn't involved in any cast in the past, so I, I couldn't answer that question. So then how difficult has this year been? Because even right now you can't explain what happens, or did you get voted off next episode, or you go to the final? You just can't provide any of those sense. I think that'd be difficult. It's your little secret. Yeah, and, and um, you know, there's there's cast members that, that do come home and tell everybody everything, and some of them have sold secrets in the past, I believe. And, you know, you hear rumors really? of this and, and rumors of people that have been uh, – I, I don't know if CBS has actually gone to litigation with people, but they've certainly uh, tried to do their best to quiet certain people that are bitter about oh, what happened on the show or whatever. But uh, for the most part, people are happy to be a part of it and happy to keep the secret I, as far as I know. And, you know, you do have a contract that says you ha- are bound to keep a secret. You're not allowed to give away plot points. And uh, so I'm telling you what I can, but I, there's a lot of things I can't tell you. And Jeff may a, a speech to us as we were leaving, and I, that's really what I've I've taken to heart, and I, I think it's worked. And that is that it's our season; we can come home and sell secrets and tell everybody everything. But it spoils it. It spoils it for your family. It spoils it for your friends. I wouldn't have had seventy-five people at the Flicks Brew House last Wednesday night if I had come home and told all my family and friends what happened and how far I got. Mm-hmm. There wouldn't have been that much excitement. But there is that much excitement, and so I think it's more special to keep the secret. Mrs. Pollard doesn't even know. Uh, she doesn't. She doesn't know everything that's that's happened. Oh. She doesn't know how far I got. She doesn't know if I won. Maybe she's getting a gift in May. I don't know. <laughs> she, we are getting a gift in May. Yeah, and it's our baby. Mm-hmm. And and the only reason that baby that's is great. is is uh, coming is because of survivor that was that was something that we were kind of contemplating but thinking uh you know i'm 40 and and uh we're so busy and we've got this and we've got that and we've already got three kids uh from my first marriage and so we're we're going all right do we do we do this or do we not well being away seven weeks i grabbed my phone as soon as i got it back in la as soon as i got back in Cam- from cambodia and i said we're having a baby and she started crying she said i had a dream and she had the journal entry to prove it because she was keeping a journal wow. while i was gone and she had had a dream that's neat while i was gone that i called uh, her as soon as i got home so we cried in the airport for about 25 30 minutes uh, mm-hmm. uh, and i had to stay in la that night before i got home but this baby is absolutely on the way just because of survivor yeah lot of time to think about it too <laughs> yeah you, you right? do it, it's absolutely a life-changing experience because whether you're again whether you're darnell and you're first voted off or you're you win the whole thing you're gone for seven weeks there there's no you, you don't get to come home if you get voted off so uh it it you definitely get some time to think and and there's no technology to distract you there's no checking on the internet or your social media to, to try to distract you you have nothing but your thoughts in your head and dealing with people that are basically strangers so what was the biggest story coming back just in the world that you missed out on, what was the two things that, oh, this happened, or I can't believe this this took place? Well, in the world, I mean, personally, obviously, I was just happy to hear that my family was all fine, and my wife did a great job of taking care of everything while I was gone. Yeah. But, uh, you know, 
I didn't know the the Pacers were if they were going to get in the playoffs or, or not, and I didn't know who won the national championship in, in basketball because Kansas is always a contender. So I was very oh, curious. That'd be uh, rough to see if if my Jayhawks made it and won, and and uh, they didn't. But um, you know, just little things like that. I was glad. You know, we heard about uh, I think it was an earthquake or tsunami that was over actually in in Southeast Asia while we were while we were there. Excuse me. It wasn't close to us, but you know, we found out about that after we get back. That, that uh, some things had happened, but uh, you know, the, the world keeps on spinning, and and uh, there's always going to be things that people uh, get worked up about, or, or don't get worked up about, or or whatever. But uh, I definitely learned. Uh, it was another life lesson for me to to take a break once in a while and and smell the roses. And and I've had lots of experiences like that throughout my life. Uh, but this one was another one uh, that that absolutely was life changing. I'm I'm more forgiving than I've ever been in my life. I'm more at peace uh, than I've ever been in any time in my life, and and I'm happier than I've ever been at any point in my life because when you have everything stripped away, and I you know there's a time limit. You know that the end is is yeah. is coming, but still it does affect your mind. Just being at peace and and you're in nature, and there's for anybody that thinks it's fake, it's not. They don't yell cut and give you a director's chair and a latte and a rub down. That, that doesn't happen. It's the, the surviving part is absolutely legit. The big thing that I thought from the TV angle could have been, Frank, is the dramatics of who, who's voted off, that whole thing, how they go back and forth. One Was it really back and forth or was there, okay, let's make sure you, know, you, you go back and forth rather than three Darnells, three Alicias. And the, those are the kind of things that <clears throat> go through my mind of, eh, that, that's probably made for TV. No, that was absolutely strategy, uh, and I actually forgot about that um, until I talked to Jason, the bearded guy, the other day, because I'm sitting there going, wait a minute, why, why did we tie? You flipped, and I was mad at Jason. I was like, dude, you flipped. What happened? You were supposed to vote Darnell. We agreed, blah, 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 and he goes, yeah, no worries, buddy. I forgot, too. We split it on purpose because we didn't know if Alicia or Darnell had an idol. So we, it's called Flush of the oh. Idol. So we did that on purpose so that if one of them had the idol and saved themselves, the other one was going home. And it was weird how Alicia was, wouldn't tell you. Well, like, what that, are you doing? That was... It's uh, your first round. That's, that's something that you don't do in Survivor. You don't say, maybe I do, maybe I don't, because then yeah. what did we do? We flushed it out. We found out. Now we know, going into the next episode, does she have an idol? Now we know, right? So anyway, that's what we did. And then the plan was... Okay, we vote this way and this way, so it ties. They both think, oh boy, I'm on the chopping block, so they have to use their idol. They didn't use their idol, and then the original plan of voting uh, Darnell out took effect. But uh, that was absolutely planned, and, and nothing fake about that. During this whole process, now that it's airing, what kind of communication, if any, do you have with your tribe? Uh, you know, we, we, th- there's been... S- contact with almost everybody. I didn't know if you guys had a group text or group email going there, on. There's some group texts. Uh, actually, just a few days ago, somebody put together one with everybody. I think almost everybody from our cast, all 18, are on it. I think there's a couple people that aren't. Uh, but it's it's funny because uh, no one else besides Jason was married with children. There were there was one other person that's married, but he's it was Joe. He's older. He's got kids that are my age, you know. So uh, Jason and I were the only ones that were married with kids. So some people are talking about, you know, hey, let's get together and let's do this. I'm like, I have a life. I'm not in my <laughs> 20s. You know, I, I'm not going to be like, hey, yeah, I'll meet you guys in Vegas. Let's go. You know, I'm I'm 
uh, I'm a stay at home dad and, uh, and I'm 41 and I'm married with kids. Uh, so there, there's a lot of that talk and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in on it, but I don't respond much. I've seen a couple of the castaways since we aired. Um, I wanted to say who on purpose. Yes. Okay. Yes. The, so, uh, I've, I've seen a couple of them and, and, uh, I think a couple of them are going to come visit, uh, for one of those episodes coming up. And so that'll be fun, but I don't want to say who, because I don't want to give anything away that, that people sure. might look into it like, Oh, well then they must've, if they have a know. friendship, then now I'm yeah. going to be watching that the rest of the season. Yeah. yeah. No, that makes totally sense. Yeah. Did you get out of the whole experience? What you wanted? I got more than I wanted. I got a baby on the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's true. Uh, and and uh, absolutely, and we'll see if I got a million dollars out of it, too. But uh, it, it, it was absolutely much more life-changing than I thought it would be. Uh, it was much more real than I thought it'd be. Because I was a little skeptical, too, about how realistic it was. Exactly. It was surviving. With TV did, and reality. Do they really yeah. give them this, or do they really starve them? Yeah. <laughs> you got to get your own food. Uh, so it was uh, absolutely, I got more out of it than I had planned. Uh, and, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm, mentally, I'm a much more peaceful person. I'm a lot more laid back uh, in some ways. I'm always going to have my edge. But uh, it definitely, uh, I think, made me a better person. What was your most typical food item? What was, what was the easiest item, if you can say that? Uh, like I, will, I will tell you, coconut was a good friend of mine. Okay. Coconut was a very good friend of mine. For the, yeah. And, and the rest we'll see. Having done this whole experience now, now we go to the real question. If you're alone on an island and you have three things to take, what are you taking? Uh, water filtration device, you know, that's not allowed on the show. So I don't have to boil my water. Something that, that, that filters the water so that I can drink uh, as much as I can get my hands on. Um, like anything? Whatever you yeah. want and need. Because we get this question all the time. What would you yeah. take? And we all say, you know, a significant other, an iPad or laptop, a cell phone, what have you. Okay, I, well, I was curious if your perspective would change actually having gone through all of this. Yeah, it, it would be the water and uh, matches. <laughs> something to start a fire with and my loved ones and that's it yeah. everything else uh, i could do without uh people say iphone well where are you going to charge it bonehead <laughs> it, when it's dead it's dead there's no plugs so i guess we could assume you have an unlimited power supply yeah, with you, the laptop or whatever that that would be different you'd need the professor from gilligan's island to create some yeah. sort of battery to charge your your devices on but uh i didn't miss that technology uh, other than the fact that I couldn't keep in touch with my family. But if my loved ones are there and I had a fire going uh, and, and some clean water, uh, yeah. that, that would be the things that would make that experience easier for me. I know from the outside, the other thing I was thinking is, that's why you buddy up with a CBS guy to say, <laughs> here's my wife's number, text her, I'm good. Because I know probably her at home's weren't, did he make it? Is he cool? Uh, <laughs> does he have any cuts? Like, what's the issue? I want to know what he's dealing with. Because now, I mean, we can FaceTime. I could show you what I'm going through yeah. in real life. Yeah, that that would be nice if you can assume that the technology would have those, the support of, of being recharged. But yeah. uh, if they're with me, then I don't have to worry about that. Last thing I did want to hit on here was Indianapolis. You settled here, and a lot of pro athletes have done that. Why is Indianapolis home for you? Uh, I have three reasons, and that's all. It's, it's uh, Lolly, Tallulah, and Ozzy. Those are my three children from my first marriage. And uh, my ex has decided that this is home uh, because of whatever reasons that she wants to, to, to justify. But she grew up overseas, and, and this is not uh, anywhere that she has family. It's just that she decided, I think— 
out of spite, really. <laughs> I can't think of another reason because uh, neither one of us are from here. Uh, we met in Kansas. We got married in Kansas. We went to school at Kansas. Uh, uh, that's home for her in America more than any other place. But uh, it's it's not my favorite place. I don't mind admitting it that uh, Indiana isn't home to me. Uh, but uh, we have joint custody because I made my ex-wife a multimillionaire. Uh, so yeah. that's yeah. why I live in Indiana is because uh, I paid to, to have joint custody. And uh, so that's what I'm enjoying it. And and enjoying that every other week uh, my kids are with us, uh, and uh, every other week they're across the neighborhood with my ex. Other than the baby, what's next for you? Going to keep trying to push whatever movie, television show you want to get going? I, Do you have anything on the agenda? Yeah, actually, I made a movie called The Association. Uh, I produced it. I uh, partly wrote it. Uh, my my friend Kevin Wilmot, who's a longtime movie maker, and, and he's a professor at the University of Kansas, but he's been to Sundance twice. Uh, he just, uh, actually the Spike Lee movie that just came out, Chirac or, or Chirac, however some people correct me, they're like, oh no. And Kevin's like, it's however you want to say it. Uh, but, uh, he wrote that screenplay, uh, for Spike actually about a dozen years ago. Uh, and Spike finally made the movie. So he was heavily involved with that. And, uh, the, the movie's coming out. Um, it's almost done. It, it was done. We just got some small edits to make and a few things to add, but the association is, uh, we're going to hopefully try to get it into some festivals this fall. And if not, I'll just, uh, I'll be releasing it in small theaters, uh, in cities I played in and see how it goes and see if it gets in right front of the right eyes. Because my ultimate goal is to, to make a TV show, uh, like Entourage. I know that everybody says that, but, uh, uh, without trying, I'm, I have no ego. I have no shame, but without trying to sound egotistical, I have a unique story. I, I, uh, being growing up Mormon and, and have my dad pass away when I was in high school and being on welfare and, and, uh, getting to the NBA and, and just, I have a unique perspective and I have a unique story and I have a whole bunch of them that, uh, I think are better than just a book. I, I think that a TV show would be a, a, an easier format to tell, tell the stories just like Mark Wahlberg did, did about uh, some portions of his life in the, in the series Entourage. So that's my ultimate goal and uh, hoping that the association helps lead us there. We'll be following. Scott, I appreciate you making time to coming in. And uh, everybody tune in CBS Survivor and see how far Scott can go. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Really good stuff there from Scott Pollard. I really appreciate his candidness and willingness to share here on the podcast. Well, my shout-out for this week goes to his wife, Dawn, for helping to set up this interview and for allowing him to be on the show in the first place. Send me your comments or questions on Twitter at Scott Agnes, and don't forget to subscribe to the Vigilant Sports Pacers podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. And please fill out a review on iTunes. Until next time, everyone.